I'm looking forward to this Sunday, July 4th, to challenge Yokozuna at the WWF Stars and Stripes Challenge. Yokozuna, you said nobody can body slam you at the King of the Ring. You proved it when the moral Hulk Hogan was proven to be moral. Yokozuna, I'm going to be next to body slam you and put you to the ground. Oh, it's me. It's me, Beverly Hills, 90210. I'm going to slam you big stinky Yokozuna right in the Hudson River. Ooh, yeah. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, you download Main event, status, radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog Recording live from the intersection of Sunset Boulevard in Bad Street, Minnesota, this is Main Event Status. Radio, I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, as usual, and joined by the greatest partner I could find to host a podcast with me, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210. How's it going, Beverly? It's going great. How are you? Oh, a tad tired, but uh, that's nothing usual out of the Dirty Dog department. (laughs) That's me too, man. So how's your summer been? It's over. Start, I had my first week of school this week. That's horrible. <laughs> I hope you. Uh, the, I hope the first day of classes, you will tell your students, "Listen up, you maggots." Well, I, I didn't. I should have. Now that we're a weekend, I, I feel like that would serve me a lot better than what I did do. So uh, I know we didn't talk about this off air, but I thought I may as well ask anyway. Did you watch SummerSlam last weekend? No, I just I haven't had really a chance uh, between school and football to watch much outside of what we watched this week for okay. podcast. Have you heard about what happened between John Cena and Brock Lesnar? Yeah, I do, I know the results. What? Tell me your thoughts. You watched it, right? I loved it. <laughs> I I went over to uh, one of my buddy's place. You know, about a half hour away. To watch, you know, watch SummerSlam because it's been a while since him and I hung out for a while. A friend of the show, and uh, yeah, yeah, went over to his place to hang out and see, you know, see him and his wife and their little nine-month-old nine baby boy. And uh, yeah, we watched SummerSlam, and you know, the, the card was decent. You know, I felt like a lot better than last several pay-per-views that WWE put out this year. When it came to the main event match, Brock hit a F5 within the first, I think, 30 seconds, 45 seconds of the match. Got a two count. Dominated most of the match, and the first thing I thought was, John Cena's going to win. Yeah, that's what I would, if that's how, uh, you know, if I were watching it live, that's probably what I would think as well. And then when the three count happened, when Brock hit the second F5, I almost crapped my pants. (laughs) Because... (laughs) <laughs> because I remember that they're an Extreme Rules 2012 match. Brock had most of the match, and Cena won. And the Undertaker match from WrestleMania this year, granted Undertaker had a concussion early in the match, and that's why the match wasn't as great as people originally expected it to be. 
I just thought, you know, Brock, you know, because Super Cena and la dee da da you know, internet fans build up Cena, he can never lose. I was surprised to see Lesnar walk out as champ. I would agree. Especially yeah, well, I don't know. I, I really, I thought that he was going to win, but I don't know. There's always that chance. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm happy to see Lesnar win just because he can be the Undertaker. I want to see them. If Brock was going to be the one to defeat Undertaker and the streak at WrestleMania, I want to see them build up Brock to build up the next main event star. Right. And I think the way that Brock took out Cena was probably one of the best ways. You know, with him, you know, it sounds like it's going to be Brock and Cena for another match at Night of Champions. I hope Brock walks out as champion again. Yeah, what, I don't know if that's the best idea. What's your opinion on doing a rematch right away? I always I understand that because I don't know who else is uh, ready to face Cena or to face Lesnar for the title. I saw I saw one person had put maybe like just like Big Show or Mark Henry, one of well, those guys. That's maybe? what I was thinking too because I was thinking ways to be kind of cool to see. You know, maybe Cena at Night of Champions, and maybe that pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell. Maybe Cena again in Hell in a Cell. Brock taking you know, all three straight victories. Then you know, the next couple pay-per-views, you know, could be, you know, could be Big Show, could be Mark Henry, could be Batista. You know, maybe Daniel Bryan if he's able to come back by then. Thinks I because I'd love to see Brock hold it to WrestleMania and face maybe Roman Reigns. Yeah, I've seen seen them kind of point in that direction. Yeah, at least that's what I what I've been hearing on, on the dirt sheets that early estimations for the main event match at WrestleMania be Brock Lesnar to defend the WWE World Heavyweight Title against Roman Reigns. Mm, yeah, but Maybe. I guess we just gotta wait out the ride and see where they take us. Yeah, let it play out. So I'm not gonna complain too much about. I guess I I guess I'll just kind of question having the rematch with Cena so soon with how dominant Brock was, but I just want I guess I'll just you know hold off on the on me questioning them more and see how it plays out. Sure. Yep. Yep. You can look back on it and see what it looks like. So we might as well go into uh, episode five for Main Event Status Radio. Let's do it. Going back in time to Monday, June 28th, 1993, episode 23 of WWF Monday Night Raw. Going back to the Mid-Hudson Civic Center to Polipsky, New York. Poughkeepsie. Polipsky? Poughkeepsie. I apologize to any Poughkeepsie viewers. Listeners, on behalf of Dirty Talk Darcy, <laughs> I never claimed to be the best person to pronounce the eight words, Jack. <laughs> Polipsy. Polipsky. You already got me laughing, Dirty Talk. <laughs> Polipsy? I got tears rolling down my cheeks. <laughs> With a tear in my eye. With a tear in my eye, Polipsky, New York. Polipsy. Whatever. <laughs> We're at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center for 
da 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 woo woo Monday Night Raw. Are you okay over there, Beverly? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Do you need a mill, yo? <laughs> Actually, I do. Well, let me go grab it right now. <laughs> so, yeah, the show opened up with the classic Monday Night Raw opening, the classic theme song and video, which makes me smile. I'm hydrated and ready to go. Good. So what's your thoughts on the classic Raw opening uh, video uh, and theme song? You know I love it. And well, obviously, each well, I guess you know the five shows that we reviewed has been raw, and you know every show I had to talk about the Monday Night Raw opening. All right, you got and it. Then uh, you all, I'll see Vince McMahon welcomes us to Monday Night Raw. Who else is with Vince at the announcers booth? We got Macho Mean, and we got. Bobby Heenan in a awesome purple and yellow Monday Night Raw wind jacket. What's your thoughts on the attire Macho was wearing? Oh, it was really wild, but I can't really think of it off the top of my head what it looked like. It was something like uh, like half and half of like black background with white polka dots for one half, and like <laughs> the other one was like the floral couch <laughs> covering or whatever. It's insane, insane. Right? Macho Man was just out of control. When I thought about when I saw his attire, I thought about you, Beverly, and how a couple of weeks ago, a couple of shows ago, we talked about Macho and all that and his crazy attire. Oh yeah, and this is another one of along that lines. So then, yeah, they put over what we'll be seeing on Monday Night Raw for this episode: Shawn Michaels versus Kamala and Krona Crush Bra versus Baston Booger. <laughs> We also said that the WWF champion, Yoko Uzuno, will be around for a very special interview. Yes. Then we might as well go into the first match. Right. For the Kamala in- and Shawn Michaels. For the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. You got it. When Shawn Michaels came out with a beautiful title, Intercontinental title with a white strap with <laughs> as his bodyguard. <laughs> yeah. You know, Diesel's there. His, do you see Diesel's jacket? You see Diesel's mullet. Yeah, oh, well, all the whole ensemble. Scream 1993. His jacket's like white denim, and it's got those little mirrors on it, and it has like silver marbles almost looking. It's just, I just thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, 1993 WWF. Which is I, lived through, I lived through 1993, and I never had a jacket like that, and it makes me a little sad. Well, I said, see ya, how your wedding day is coming up soon, and uh, I've been invited to, to come to the wedding, so I may have to buy a jacket like that for your wedding gift. You would make me so happy. So happy. Uh, would If you are uh, one w- jacket like that. Would the next Mrs. Beverly Hills be approving of, of that? The next Mrs. Beverly Hills? How about the first Mrs. Beverly Hills? <laughs> she's in the other room she said there will be no next well they're better up yeah next Miss, uh, no they're Mrs. Beverly Hills <laughs> well, she, held, she held up her hand with the ring on it saying that that's what it meant as I say I'm happy that we had a run in from Mrs. Beverly Hills <laughs> she, she did she did a total run in I love it 
Yes. Okay. So, anyways, yes, I would love if you wore the jacket. So then, uh, we must get into the get into the match night into the bodyguard. So I I love Kamala's music. It's it's been in my head since I watched it early this morning for the last six hours. The oh oh oh. I love it. Also, say talk about theme songs. I last night at work, I was, you know, had my iPod on shuffle after I got to listen to some podcast. I heard the sensational Sherry's version of Shawn Michaels' theme song, (laughs) and I still have that running through my mind. Nice. He's just a sexy boy. (laughs) He's not your boy toy. I love it. Awesome. So you were talking about Kamala. Bobby made a comment about how Kamala was hungry for Sean. Yeah, he said that he was gonna like eat him, right? Like he he was gonna put him in some boiling <laughs> roast him. Yes. Then I know Savage made a comment saying, "You're right. He's hungry for the Intercontinental Championship." Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I first noticed I was a little concerned because Kamala was without his advisor, Reverend Slick. But then later in the match, they said that he was still with him. So I don't know why he wasn't there that night. But Must be uh, pay cuts. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Then I, I know we talked about this before with uh, Kama- another Kamala match, but Shamak has put out his hand to shake, shake his hand with Kamala. Kamala was confused on what to do. Yeah, but I, I, I liked it. Um, he has shown some uh, progress in the of what about four or five months from the last one we watched because he was listening to the fans and he he didn't shake Sean's hand. Yeah, which is which is yeah, I, I did mention that too. Yeah, Kamal was looking at the fans, kind of you know looking at them to for support and guidance on what to do. Yep. Then uh, <laughs> Sean kicked him anyway, or what did he, he like? Punched him. I think yeah, Sean punched him or nailed him in the eye or whatever. To, oh, okay. When Kamal yeah. was when Kamal was looking at the fans, <laughs> yeah. But Kamal was able to gain the advantage right away from Sean and jumped up in the air like he was going for a leapfrog, and Sean fell backwards. Do you catch yeah. that? Do you catch that spot? Yeah, I did. Yeah, made me laugh. <laughs> so far, the match I... is starting out at a five star rating. Yeah. I I liked I really liked this match a lot actually I thought they worked they worked well together and it, it was short enough that it wasn't you know exposing Kamala's weaknesses because I mean he's you know it's Kamala he's not gonna have a five star match that's just what he is but I think like he he's really getting into this you know you are a man <laughs> character. And uh, you're working that well, and he, you know, Sean is working well with him. So, well, Sean is you know, a great performer. Sean can help carry Kamala into a great match, right? Which right. we saw. Well, they work well. They're working well together. Yeah, which we saw here. Right. I know. I know. This match went through a commercial break, and yeah, when uh, we go to a commercial break, when Sean was jumping off the second rope and was caught in a bear hug. Yep. When we came back from the commercial break, Kamala was on top of Sean, giving him a bear hug pin, kind yep. of thing. Yeah. Only to get consecutive two counts. Have Have we gotten to the part where Kamala shook Sean's hand and then bit it? 
I don't remember that, but I may as well talk about this. Oh my gosh, that was my that was my best, my most favorite part of the match. He he stuck his out hand out for Sean, shook it, and then bit it. That, that's funny. <laughs> it was great. So no, I did another note I joked on is that a few times Shawn Michaels went for a step over toe hold and Kamala grabbed his hair and pulled Sean down yep. to the mat for a counter. Right. Sean kept on going over to the ref and complained about it as a yeah. classic heel. <laughs> Made me yeah. laugh. Yes. I know then Kamala was able to fight or get back to his feet and fight back with a few chops and he slapped his belly. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> then Savage had to say, I love it when he slaps his belly. <laughs> Great line. And I totally agree. Yes. Then I know, yeah, Kamala uh, splashed Sean when he was on his stomach. Oh, yeah, well, I guess it was towards the end of the match. Yep. Uh, that Kamala, uh, Sean, I can't remember how Sean w- fell to the map, but Kamala went for, like, a big splash when Sean was on his stomach, and Kamala tried to pin him when I was on his stomach. Yeah. And then the referee, Earl Hebner, by the way, went yep. ran over to, you know, like he's going to count and told Kamala, you got to roll him over to his back. <laughs> then Kamala rolled him over rolled him all the way times. over. <laughs> then, then, yeah, then Sean was still on his belly and tried to, you know, Kamala tried to pin him again. Oh, man, and I don't, you know, I guess this is the mark of a match that I like because it's 20 years later. I know that Kamala never wins the title, but when he's laying on his, Shauna's uh, face down, I'm like, no, no, Kamala, roll him over, roll him over. Yes, maybe. I was, I was into it. Same, I was completely into the match. Same here, the now it's a big daddy cool diesel. Jumped up to jump up on the urine apron, distract Earl Hebner and Kamala, giving Sean a chance to jump up, hit hit Kamala and back the head with the sweet chin music, which yeah, Kamala like fell backwards, sweet, not forwards. Yeah, the sweet back music. The sweet back the head music? Yeah, must be. The sweet concussion music. Oh, <laughs> I guess. Oh, the sweet African music for Kamala. <laughs> then Sean picked up the victory. Yep. What's, and, and Diesel comes in and adds to it after the match. Yeah, what's your thoughts on Sean hitting the sweet chin music from behind and Kamala falling backwards, not forwards? It's one of those times where you have to not think about the logics and the the logic and the physics of of what it would do. Fair enough. You just have to accept that when Kamala gets hit, he'd fall on his back. Fair enough. Then, yeah, you talked about uh, Diesel running in and attacking Kamala, because Kamala, I think, attacked Sean and Diesel ran in to uh, help out his boss. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we must have talked about the rating of the match. I rated yeah, this match a th- three-and-a-half-star match. <laughs> Whoa! Yes. Because well, I-, I was highly entertained. The crowd was hot, and both had great chemistry together. Whoa. The Whoa. fans were the fans were into all characters: Earl Hebner, Kamala, Shawn Michaels, and Diesel. And uh, let's see, the three men and Tones team helped the fans at home save the match. Besides putting over the Yokozuna Body Slam Challenge that was, co- that was happening the coming weekend. Wow, I feel like. Is this the dawning of a new dirty dog? Like this is the this is a kinder, gentler dirty dog, nicer to the matches. This might be the dirty dog who's starting to become a man. <laughs> you are a man. You are a man. So what do you rate this match, dirty? Uh, I, I gave it 
two and three quarters stock. Holy crap, I rated this match higher than you? I know, I think this is the first time that you've rated First it. time in main event status radio history. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go four stars for Kamala and Shawn Michaels, so I don't think I can go higher. Well, I didn't give this for four stars. <laughs> I didn't give this match a five-star rating, Jack. You should. I'm not going to rewrite history, daddy I'm not oh. Vince McMahon. <laughs> All right. I don't okay. have that much power. You got it. Yeah, then, yeah, we talked about the after the bell shenanigans when uh, Kamala attacked Sean, the Diesel attacked Kamala. Yes. And then we go to a commercial. Uh, we went to a commercial saying that Hulk Hogan couldn't buy Sam Yokozuna at the King of the Ring pay per view. And that Yokozuna's been squashing people ever since. And yep. Yokozuna is challenging anybody. To come body slam him on the 4th of July that Sunday at the WWF Stars and Stripes Challenge on the USS Intrepid. You got it. I'm kind of excited for that, Jack. <laughs> I was too. This is one of those times that we got the TV. Man, I was so excited for the Stars and Stripes Challenge. Little six-year-old Beverly Hills. Then we go to Vince McMahon in the ring. He welcomes a World Wrestling Federation champion, Yokozuna, and his manager, Mr. Fuji. USA, do it, do it. Yeah, they, yeah you uh, quoted Macho Man for saying, USA, USA, do it, do it. <laughs> Which he said it in like, not like, yeah, he said USA, USA, they said do it, do it, and like different kind of beat. Like, come on, Macho. <laughs> but as one who owns... Macho Man's rap album kind of makes sense. God, I love that you hold that. I wrote, I wrote that my cat loves Yokozuna. She was sitting on the side of the couch when I was watching this, and when Yokozuna was on the screen, she couldn't take her eyes off of it. Yokozuna is one handsome devil. You got it. And uh, Mr. Fuji was saying that he wants to embarrass American people. By challenging any American athlete to try to slam his Yokozuna on the on the United States Independence Day. What's your thoughts on Fuji as like a promo or as a manager in general? Uh he I guess for Yokozuna I thought he was good. Okay. And I I well also when 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 they'll add uh Jim Cornette, that would help because Jim Cornette's a great talker. But since Mr. Fuji is Japanese and uh, they're trying to put over uh, Yokozuna as a Japanese wrestler. It makes sense to not have Yoko talk much and have yeah. Mr. Fuji be his mouthpiece. Yeah, I just got, I don't know. I got to think there there are actors, other Japanese Americans. Who are better than who, Mr. Who Fuji, are, who, who can talk better. better. Than, yeah, who are better than Mr. Fuji. Just because, like, in this, you know, I don't know, I... It feels like McMahon had to just lead him along the whole time. Like, oh, do you want to embarrass the American athletes? Yes, we want to make fools of the American athletes. Like, it's all he was doing was just like repeating what McMahon said. And I thought that, I don't know, I thought that really like drug it down. Yeah. I know one of the next notes I wrote down about this promo is that seems like McMahon is putting over someone to randomly show up and slam Yokozuna. <laughs> yeah, a little foreshadowing. I know. Then, I, which was pissing Fuji son off. <laughs> the Fuji claimed that Yokozuna will be the WWF champion forever. 
Yeah, I know I heard that too. And then he he laid out all the plans that he w- was going to do. So he was going to carry it until he retired. Then he was going to bring it to the Japanese Imperial Palace and give it to the prince, I believe. And he was going to keep it there forever or whatever. Something like that. Then uh, McMahon asked Yokozuna a question. Then Yokozuna like blew him off. Then Fuji asked... Yoko question, I assume in Japanese. Then, uh, then Yoko tried to speak English in a Japanese, I guess, accent, saying that, telling us that American athletes are like American products. They're crappy. I thought that was one of the worst decisions they ever made. Yeah, I know, right? Well, and they didn't do they didn't do it much after this, so they may have learned from may, may have learned their lesson. But oh my gosh, that was so bad because you can so tell that English is his first language. Yeah, and well, especially how you know how clear he, he spoke in English. Exactly, exactly. The the events ended the interview with leading the crowd on to USA chant. Yeah. Let them hear ya. Which makes me laugh because at, at work last night, well, yeah, as I mentioned before the podcast, I work until two or three o'clock in the morning, and one of the one of the night drivers from uh, the Virginia branch from Northern Minnesota, he was a uh, he used to watch wrestling back in the day from like the seventies and eighties, and he he know uh, he heard that you and I Beverly host this podcast. All right, and uh, he was you know kind of talk he's off and on talking to me if I work you know, stack his trailer or whatever or work close enough to he would talk to me about you know, some old old wrestling. And last night at work, well be like this morning, like one, two o'clock in the morning, he he was he would look at me and say random catchphrases. Oh nice. Like, well his name is his name is Chuck. So he's okay. like, Finally Chuck has come back to Saint Cloud <laughs> or a Dan Hut and one time he did look at me and said, USA! And all that. And ma- made me think of Jim Duggan. Awesome. Made, made me laugh. So, Chuck, if by chance you're listening, That's a good what, s- up in, what up in uh, Virginia, Jack? All right. So then, yeah, then we go to a, go to a, inter- or a promo from George Martin from the New York Giants. Yeah, and you know, I pride myself... Knowing sports knowledge, I usually, like, use it to be mean and show that you don't have the sports knowledge. But, man, I have zero clue of who George Martin is. I have zero clue of Jim Campin. No memory, no knowledge of them whatsoever. So, yeah, I did, you know, if they didn't have their names in the teams that they play for on the screen, I wouldn't know who they were either. No, me neither. So, I was no. George Martin from the New York Giants. Jim Captain from the Green Bay Packers, then Tatanka from the WWF came on. That screen. was kind of weird. Did you? I thought. I don't know. I feel like if you're gonna do two athletes, just either stick with the athlete theme, or yeah, I don't know. I thought the inclusion of Tatanka was strange. No, same here. And yeah, how they didn't. Do, well, I thought it was strange too that yeah they put George Barton and Jim Captain's name up on the screen and didn't do nothing for Tatanka, which... You've got to know who Tatanka is already. That man. is true, that's, but 
I did, you know, for my notes, I did say, you know, you know, each guy from their team, and I did put on Tatanka from the WWF. Yeah. Which I, was, which I would have loved if they would have put, put his name up on the screen and said WWF on, underneath his name. Yeah, said what team he plays for. You're right. Or like, this would have been racist, but even put Native American underneath his name. <laughs> I know it's bad, but. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Love you, or or like, or Native American wrestler underneath his name or whatever. You know. Native American wrestler. It would have made me laugh. I know. It, it's sure. making me laugh right now. So yes. Then uh, we might, then, yeah they they go to a commercial and come back with Iron Mark my Mark. I even put his name down in my notes as Mark Iron Mike Sharp and Barry Harwitz. Yes, I wrote Jobber Royalty. Two of the best-known jobbers in all of history. So those two were in the rain waiting to face the smoking guns and their nasty mustaches. <laughs> I wrote that it looked like they are going to try to shoot the jobbers. Yeah, they are going to finish it off early. You know, just because of this match, I have, just for you, Beverly, and for the, list, for the main event listeners, I have to uh, crack another can of mill, y'all. Awesome, awesome. So I don't know if we've we've covered smoking guns rest, uh, uh, matches before. Have I ever? I, yeah, we have once, fact, I think. Yeah, have they ever? Have I ever talked about the fact that I think wrestling in jeans is a big questionable <laughs> decision? No, you haven't. But I did the first one I I wrote down, which I want to ask you. Then you can go on to your, what you want to talk about. Wouldn't it be uncomfortable to wrestle in skin tight jeans? Well, I would completely agree with you, and that is what leads me to this story I wanted to tell. Yeah, this tell week, so yeah, so I told you that this week I started school, yeah, shoot yeah. job teacher slash football coach, and I coach junior high football. So these are kids who have you know learned the ropes, if you will. So what day is it? Thursday. We had a couple new student, new kids in football. He, our, one of our guys comes out, he's wearing jeans and a polo shirt. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is about the worst decision I've ever, ever seen. Because about, involved this week, it was, it was probably about 90 degrees on Thursday. And he's in his jeans and he's running around. And then the other coach goes, hey, you got a little chafe in those dungarees? And watching the smoking guns made me think of the boy in the dungarees. Well, yeah, because I know, yeah, yeah, because you know, I work well, I also I work at night, and in um, I also concrete building, and once it's humid, it stays in the building, and I don't know how that kid was able to do that, or I don't know how the smoking guns rustled in jeans because wearing shorts in the summer for me, that's even horrible. Yeah. You know, with sweat and all that. So I don't know how people can do that. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why I think the the gene choice is a questionable one at best. So then we may as well go into the match. Uh, I didn't really take that many notes down for this match. So if you want to take take this match over, Beverly. Uh, sure. So I said that first, Mike Sharp is the loudest wrestler ever. Everything he does, you can hear. He's so loud. I like that kind of wrestler, though. Well, that's your man, then, Iron Mike Sharp. Um, 
I also wrote so most of most of the matches taken by the guns, just uh, as you would expect. I wrote that Barry Horowitz looks really good in this match. I thought he was standout in this match, and uh, I wrote that whenever he gets in, it gets better. And he hit a really nice Northern Lights suplex on Bart. That was my favorite. Because yeah, uh, before the, be- the beautiful Northern Lights suplex, I did. No, I don't know which smoking gun hit a small package on Iron Mark. Your Iron Mark, Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> but I know we talked about this before we recorded the show that I wrote down a line from Savage saying that you know about the small package, a move that Macho said, and I quote, "That was a big package because Iron Mike Sharp is a big guy." <laughs> And he is a big guy. I had to pause it on my Roku just for I can write that line down. <laughs> Good choice. Macho Man, thank you very much. <laughs> um, and then af- so after <coughs> Barry was in control, Bar was able to fight out and get Billy in on the hot tag. And uh, I just wrote that he had some really kind of sloppy looking drop kicks all around for everybody. Um and that set up the finish. Do you have anything you want to add before we get to the finish of it? Uh, that, like you said, Barry hit a beautiful Northern Lights suplex on Bart. Only got a two, which sucks. <laughs> then, then, yeah, and I wrote down, Smoking Guns won with a double team maneuver. Whatever. <coughs> it was it was a what a maneuver, and it was a whatever. <laughs> What's your uh, rating on this match? My rating for, for this match was three-fourths of a star. All right. Everything is right in the world. I gave this two and a quarter stars. <laughs> We're so, back, to, back to how it's supposed to be. Yeah, so you rate a match higher than me. Yes. It's about time. Because <laughs> I did write down that, you know, the match was okay. I had a tough time getting to the match. And the fans didn't really seem that interested either. Right. It might be because I don't care about the smoking guns. Yeah. Whatever. I think you would rate, you know, however you think of this basically goes on what you think the smoking guns are like. So up next, we have a special interview with Money Incorporated. Yes. Then Vince brings us back to the week prior when the 1-2-3 kid fought Razor Ramones, quote-unquote, stealing... His money for facing him. Then yep, we, yeah, we got that, showed that highlight. Then we go to an Acro Pro commercial with... Razor, right? Lex Luger. Oh, Lex Luger, my bad. <laughs> and, and I wrote down in my notes, could this be the guy Vince was preluding to in the interview with Yokozuna? I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't... Oh, talk about Lux Luger and I don't know! Oh, your t-shirts are too tight too, Billy! When, yeah, last night at work, I went, uh, after lunch, I had my iPod on shuffle when I was listening to music, when I was done listening to a podcast, and a song came up that I swear Uncle Cracker wrote and recorded for Lux Luger. <laughs> the song is called I Don't no. Unless he's talking about Billy What's his name. I don't remember. Oh, you, I, I don't remember. Ron. I don't remember your Uncle Cracker mentioning Billy What's his name or Super Brawl Saturday. <laughs> Super Brawl. Super Saturday. 
I don't know. I don't know what it's called. What is it called? I don't know. But when I when that song came on on my iPod, I thought of Lux Luger. Nice. Then we go to uh, another commercial for Hasbro toys with Randy Savage putting them over. You got it. You know, with the awesome wrestling toys with Hulk Hogan. Yep. Which I, I had that Hulk Hogan on. Which I found kind of quinky dinky dink because. Well, I had a Hogan too, but since this was aired after Hogan left the company, had he officially though? I don't. I, I don't. Well, I know this is after the King of the Ring pay per view, and I yeah, that was his last match. I don't know like when he was quote unquote done. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't. Know. But anyway, we come back to the commercial, and Vinnie Mac is back in the ring and welcomes oh. Money Incorporated. And Irwin mentioned that they have a return match in their contract that gives the World Wrestling Federation Take Team Champions the Steiner Brothers. Yes. Then old McMahon was talking about money and all that. I don't remember, but I did write down a line from Ted DiBiase. Okay, what you got? He said, talking about holding on to your money, McMahon. That line made me LOL. Nice. Just because you know how later on Vince would claim that he was a billionaire and how he bought WCW and ECW and with the network WWE network and you know the stock market the stock WWE stock you know tripled in price and became a billionaire then it went back down to being in the ten dollar range and how he lost millions of dollars. Just that line made me laugh. I'm glad you got a laugh out of it. Talk about holding on to your money, McMahon. Talk about going back to the podcast, Beverly. Got it, brother. So yeah, DiBiase talks about Razor loses his money to the one, two, three. Could count him stupid for losing his cool and having a nobody beat him on national TV. Right. Um. I was, well, my neighbor just came. Um, I was just another uh, run-in. Yeah, well, kind of. I think he's doing the laundry out there. Oh. Sorry, sorry for the interruption. That's fine. Um, shoot, I gotta get back on my train of thought. You know, I thought not? it was interesting that they were kind of like foreshadowing the Razor Ramon face turn. I didn't, because was he, he was a heel at this time, right? Yeah, because I think it was a week prior when that match with the one, two, three Kidding Razor happened. Yeah, so it was pretty quick for, you know, another heel to already be criticizing him. I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't, I didn't remember it going like that. Yeah, because I know DiBiase said that the kid was super smart for running off with the money. Right. And DiBiase said that he, they could find a good job for Razor. Maybe as a maid. <laughs> I laughed at that. And I noticed, you know, since we talked about IRS being super sweaty in his matches, I did note that DiBiase seems <laughs> to be super sweaty. I did too. I I noticed that definitely he had a beat of sweat rolling down his, his forehead. Then we uh, come back from a commercial break, and Adam Baum was coming out to the ring. And he was going to face P.J. Walker. And I wanted to ask you about... If you knew anything behind why Johnny Polo was managing Adam Baum. Actually, I had a note that said exactly the same thing. How, you know, 
I don't know. There needs to be more of a connection, I thought, between managers and who they're with. Because I think there's made there's no sense of why Johnny Polo would be with a man who's allegedly like irradiated. <laughs> you know. I guess if we would, yeah, I guess if we would be watching Raws and and ordering, saw yeah. you know video packages. Well, I don't know if they would have shown video package on Raw or the other shows, but I'm sure that it may have been explained. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't. I still don't think it makes sense in general, though. Yeah. So I'm also take this match over. All right, go ahead. And, uh, it was pretty much a squash match. That bomb, <laughs> Adam bomb bombed Walker and manhandled him. Polo was yelling at us to look at Adam bomb. Yes. I put in my notes. I'll quit taking notes to look at him. <laughs> and I did. So I think Johnny Polo yelled in 1993 to tell me in 2014 to. To look at Adam Baum and quit taking notes. <laughs> then Baum gave an awesome clothesline to Walker outside of the ring. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, all that. Then, uh, then, then uh, 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 right around this time, he was getting towards the end of the match, and I was thinking that, uh, it would be awesome if Adam Baum's finisher was a power bomb. When I and was it take, was. But, when I was taking that, when I was writing that note down, Adam Bomb hit the Adam Smasher, which was a power bomb. Yeah, I, I think the Adam Smasher is a dumb name. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> wrote it down called, like, like the Adam Bomb or something. I don't know. I wrote that down like what a quinky dink that. It, yeah. When I was thinking that, writing that down, he hit his finisher that the power bomb, and I was thinking it would make sense to name it the Atomic Bomb. Yeah, I don't know something like that. And I had to say. Because the powerbomb finisher was a silly name, I gave <laughs> the name of, of his finisher minus five stars. <laughs> so the winner was Adam Bomb. I gave this match a one star rating. I gave it star and a quarter, so we're very close. So yeah, you know, I put down that it was a decent squash match because it was short. I like short squash matches. Yeah, well, especially yeah, you know, you don't want to get too long because then either you're repeating moves or um the the squash e is getting too much offense so you don't want either of that i thought it was it was perfect in length too you got all the power moves in and finished it off now yeah then we go perfectly to com- acceptable then we go to a commercial break and we see the same commercial that we saw earlier about yokozuna the stars and stripes challenge for that following sunday on fourth of july then we go to the main event of the match, or main event of the night, Past and Booger versus Krona Crush Bra. Shaka Bra. What can I say? Oh, I'm. You said you said you didn't watch this match, right? That'll be correct. Had to go to a football scrimmage this morning. I am sad you did not hear Bobby Macho and Vince talking about talking about Hillary and Bill Clinton's siblings. Oh really? Right. I didn't take the, that many notes for this match, but I did write down that Bobby wanted to give us a scoop that Bastion Booger was a real brother to Hillary Clinton, <laughs> and that McMahon wanted to apologize on behalf of Bobby the Brain, and I doubt McMahon was serious about that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so I'm also talking about this match. Then uh, that Crush gave a horrible back body drop to. Baston, but at least he tried. Then he at least halfway made up with an okay drop kick, which kicked Booger outside to the ring. Then Bobby did mention 
okay, that hump. And McMahon said, what, what is up with you and that hump? And Bobby said, I've never seen a man with a hump like that before. That sounds like that should be a song. <laughs> yeah. The lovely lady humps. Check it out. <laughs> exactly. That so, yeah, that made me think about that when I heard those two go back at it. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, Baxton put Crush into a crushing bear hug. Then Macho said, I'm happy this isn't Smell-O-Vision. Aha! Because I guess well, Baxton Booger... So is he just like a humanitarian? Because he's there, so he should smell it himself. Well, because they were talking about how bad Baxton Booger smells. Oh, okay, okay. So Macho was He's just looking out for the viewers, I guess. Yes. Macho was saying that he is happy the television screen isn't a Smell-O-Vision screen. Oh, I understand. Okay, got it, got it. Then, uh... Let's see. Oh, I did write down, did Crush knee Booger in the nuts to get out of the bear hug? Because it kind of looked like it, but Booger's belly is so big it kind of looked look like that. <laughs> then uh, Crush slammed Booger a few times, or slammed him, yeah, body slammed him a few times to get the victory, and obviously won. So I gave this match a 13 over 10 star match. I don't even know how that what that is. One and three tenths. Oh uh, yeah, it would be one and three tenths. Huh? Cause I, I put down one and one and one fifth star, but yeah, it'd be one and three tenths star, huh? You got it. Whatever. I guess I put down a little bit. I feel like this match was a little bit better than the match before, and that commentary oh. made me laugh. Nice. Then we go to. Uh, I'm sorry, you didn't watch the rest of this. Rest of this, cause okay, we go to the New York Stadium with. Somebody who I don't know with Macho Man. Oh, no. Saying that he was going to a body slam Yokozuna at the body slam challenge on 4th of July. Pause. Pause the recording. And we're back from pausing the recording. And Beverly, who was that mystery guy with Macho Man Savage and the New York Stadium? Okay. So it's that giant stadium. Apparently... That is Joe Morris. I I think I remember he yeah he's from like the eighties. Um, uh, I he's not super well known at least not for me. Maybe in in New York people are like oh he's my favorite running back. But yeah, because I did mention to you when we had the show on pause that I felt like I was Brian Alvarez from FRWOnline dot com <laughs> who tag teams with Dave Meltzer because he is known for recording shows and pausing the recording to look something up. Oh, okay. So that's why I made the comment to you that I feel like I'm Brian Alvarez. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, then, yeah, so we f- figure out who was with Macho. Then yes, Joe we Mor- go to a slim... Just no, 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 no. I, now I want to talk about that because I just watched it. Oh, then talk, <laughs> talk about it then. I love that Joe Morris, first he goes, I'm going to put my sunglasses on to be like you, Macho. So he puts on a pair of sunglasses and then he goes... I'm going to slam Yokozuno for you, macho. Well, it, it made me a smile that his promo was super short. It was terrible. Yokozumo makes me so happy. <laughs> Yokozumo. <laughs> yeah, we go to a Slim Jim commercial with the macho one. Awesome. Then we go to a commercial plug-in WWF Royal Rumble on the Super Nintendo. I popped because <laughs> I I love that game. <laughs> I bought that game when my 
local yeah. video store back in Cambridge where I grew up before college was what 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 you know I think well I think they well they well the well the video store closed down and I bought that game because I absolutely love Royal Rumble and Super Nintendo. <laughs> and once once in a great while I would bring up my Super Nintendo and plug it in and play WWF Royal Rumble for hours on end. Good man. Because I, I would play Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels. I even play Yokozuna once in a while. <laughs> I, I love that game. Good. Then we, then we come back with the commentators putting over what we just saw from Raw that epi- you know this episode. McMahon put over the kid and Bam Bam Bigelow and Mr. Perfect for the next week Raw. Right. Then, uh, then Bobby said that, you know, Mr. Perfect is a loser and backstabber and all that fun jazz. I like that when when people don't forget stuff like that. Makes me smile. You know what I mean? Like, he's easy enough Bobby could just, you know, fall into basic bad guy. Just like, oh, you know, whatever. He's a loser. But, you know, he's got the added portion of you know remembering that backstory and being like yeah he's a backstabber whatever all that stuff so we may as well go into uh oh before we go to the main event star and uh jobber that i uh emailed you about a week and a half ago or i think maybe about a week or so ago okay about uh the big bump i took at work yes uh i want to be sad uh, oh that uh, i like to talk about robin williams since uh, we, uh, the previous two episodes that we'd done was, you know, pre-recorded a few weeks ago for, because I had a wedding to go to a couple weekends ago, and last week was SummerSlam, and we wanted to do a couple pre-recorded episodes for, we can take a few weekends off. Uh, but first, the well, first my big bump, I was stacking a, a 53-foot trailer, which was pretty tall. I was on a step stool for the Rochester branch here in Minnesota. And I was up on a step stool and trying to reach to the top of the top of the trailer, and somehow the step stool gave out on me, and I fell, hit back of my head on the side of the trailer, twisted my back, scratched my arm pretty bad, and I strained my back. Oh no! And it was painful, you know. Just even bending over to tie my shoes, it hurt bad. Even bending over to pick up a five-pound box, my back hurt like heck. Oh, no. So it, only, it hurt probably for f- four or five days, and then it got better. But it was horrible, and after that, I'm like, I do not know how pro wrestlers take the bumps four or five, six nights a week. Yeah, I don't know either. After I t- Granny knows, you know, they're more protected and all that, but just that one bump I took... That was horrible. I don't know how wrestlers do it. Yeah, I don't and, know. Uh, and then also, you know, because the pre-recording programs, we didn't get a chance to talk about the sad, tragic passing of Robin Williams. That uh, yeah, he also, if you guys haven't heard yet, you guys be, are living underneath more of a rock than I do. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Robin Williams uh, committed suicide what, what week or so ago now. Yeah, I'd say about a week and a half, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he committed suicide because of depression and just wanted to, you know, give my give our condolences to the Williams family because I know Robin Williams has, you know, brought a lot of people many a laughs over the years for many a decades, and he's 
but in a few films of few of my favorite films as Flubber and Dead Poets Society and all that, and just makes me sad to hear that R- Robin Williams took his own life from because of depression because he felt like that was the only way out from feeling like crap. It's it's sad stuff. So yeah, I just wanted to you know take a little bit of time from the podcast to say you know if you guys are dealing with depression or any kind of mental illness, you know, seek somebody out, seek professional help. You know, there's people out there to to listen to you, and I want you guys to know that you guys are are loved and are appreciated. That was very nice. That was that's the nicest thing that's ever been said on Made of Status Radio. And it might, man, might, be, might, be, might be a very rare thing for us to say because you know we want to do this podcast to you know for an hour or so every week or every other week or whatever we get a chance to do an episode and you know, we want to bring entertainment to you guys for an hour or so every episode that we do and just wanted we well, just wanted to mention that to you know you know about because Robin Williams you know touched a lot of people's lives and depression you know mental illness runs and. My family, so I wanted to take some take a little bit of time to mention that on the podcast. So well, we might as well go into uh, the main event st- star in the jobber for this week. All right, I'll, I'll go first. I, 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 I can go first if you want. Okay, me you can go first. Okay, the jobber had to be Iron Mark Sharp <laughs> because I keep on thinking his first name is Mark, which is Mike. <laughs> My jobber is Jim Campen of the Green Bay Packers. Fair enough. Because I don't know who he is. <laughs> Understandable. And my main event status star is the one, the only, the showstopper himself, the Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. And I will go with his counterpart, Kamala. I had to say Shawn Michaels because he he can give a good bring a good match out of just about anybody. <laughs> and I will do Kamala for him being in that match and also for his great music. And I was gonna say I had to give Kamala props to uh, being able to bring out a cowardly cal- match out of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yes. So uh, I'll talk about Kamala. <laughs> I know you don't get a chance to listen to a podcast much, but did you hear that Kamala was on the Steve Austin podcast this past I Tuesday? I did not. It was an inter- interesting listen to it. If you have, I think it, the show was like an hour and a half long. Yeah. On podcast1.com, so it was well worth a listen. Did you talk about his recording career? His what? His recording career, his music. I, I don't know. He didn't know. Which <laughs> Push it! Bullet. Bullet. I, I remember you made me listen to a, I think a few songs of his <laughs> that's because it's great it's the inner workings of the WWF in the 80s Kamala push it yes then we might as well go into the top 5 list and how you picked it up for this week so you want to type with the, five, the top 5 list for this episode yeah I'll introduce it so I usually base what I'm going to do pick the top five as just by the thumbnail that's on the WWE Network. And the one that was on was of Adam Bomb sticky his tongue out. And that made me think of 
doing the top five as the top five scariest wrestlers to you when you were a little young wrestler, wrestling fan. Makes sense. So uh, do you want me to start or do you want to start with the top five? Uh, you start so that I can have the last number one. Okay. Because, yeah, as we were discussing pre-recording that, my one through four I was able to, you know, pick off right away. My number five, I had to scratch my head a little bit. Because my number five is Kevin Sullivan. Oh, okay. Because, you know, when I was a kid, he was in WCW doing the Dungeon of Doom stuff. And it was a watered-down version of the cult leader stuff he did in Florida, you know, from the, like, 80, 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. But I know that, yeah, we listened to Old School Wrestling Podcast. And a few episodes ago, they talked about, you know, the whole, the whole, Adim, I can't remember, I think, Abu Adim or whatever. Yep, he was in it. Yeah, and all that, and talked about Kevin Sullivan and the Prince of Darkness stuff and all that, and just, you know, like, I guess if I was growing up when, you know, watching Florida when that was happening, that would have scared the living crap out of me. Because I kind of vaguely remember Kevin Sullivan in Dungeon of Doom in WCW in the mid-90s, and that did kind of spook the, like, five, six, seven-year-old dirty (laughs) dog back then. All right. If that was the watered-down version... I would have been probably crapping my undies back when when it was actually a lot more heated back in Florida. Yeah, probably. So, that, yeah, Kevin Sullivan's my number five. Nice. Okay, my number five is somebody who appeared on this show, Yokozumo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Yokozumo really scared me. I don't know when I was like five, six, right? Because... I don't know, he never talked, he was huge, he was just crushing everybody. It seemed like he could never be hurt, all those things. That's why he's my number five. Okay, my number four is very similar, but my number four is Big Van Vader. Ah, okay. Because another big monster guy, I wrote down that, you know, during you know, yeah, mid-90s, he was in WCW, and I know one show that we talked about before that... Beverly, you and I watched back probably a few years ago. It was 1993 Star Kid with with Vader defending the WCW title against Ric Flair in his career. And how, you know, just like during the early 90s, WCW, I used to rent on VHS, my local video store, that Vader would always seem like the big, you know, kind of like big jock bully guy. And that scared the crap out of me because back in, well, back in, grade school i was i wasn't in any athlete athletics or whatever so i can see a kid like vader coming and bullying me just because i i was kind of a nerd oh sorry man well that's fine nobody really did pick on me i was usually the bully back in the day but talk about bullies (laughs) back in elementary school i beat up this one kid because him and his girlfriend were fighting at fighting and i had a crush on his girlfriend Whoa. So I guess I played the Vader during that recess. Nice. Who's your number four? My number four, another guy who was on this one, the Adam Bomb. And he scared me, I don't know, because he was, those eyes were creepy and the goggles were creepy. I think for this episode, he had like yellowish, greenish eyes. Yeah, uh-huh. That scared the crap out of me. Did not like that at all. Yeah. As a little five, six-year-old. So my number three 
debuted in the WWF, I think, 95, 96. Okay. And he uh, kind of talked like this. Okay. He would tell us to have a nice day. Oh, got it. My number three was Mankind when he first debuted in the WWF because, you know, I have, you know, the first, you know, wearing that leather mask, you know, from the boiler room, you know, sitting down, swaying back and forth and all that. And, you know, pulling out his hair, front part of his head was shaved, you know, with bald spots because he pulled out his hair. Right. Just his character scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. And just him attacking the Undertaker, sticking his two fingers in Undertaker's mouth and pushing down, down on the nerve in the mouth on the mandible. Yeah, no thanks. I don't want... <laughs> that's, he scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, I would I would agree with that one. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Uh, my number three kind of goes just with that. Uh, mine is The Undertaker. Um, again, I guess like the theme is kind of like the the indestructibleness of uh, the person, and that's that kind of always scared me. I guess um, when he first debuted, you know, he had Paul Bear who was creepy too. Um, yeah, that's definitely why he is my number three. My number two has to be Isaac Yankum DDS. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I think he he was around what nineteen ninety five, so I would yep. have been seven, and you know a seven year old dirty dog was hate was scared of the dentist because I hated back then getting my teeth cleaned and all that you know with the with what the dentist put in your mouth to take you know X rays or whatever of your teeth and how that hurt my gums a lot and I hated brushing my teeth back then I hated flossing and all that. And Isaac Yankum had nasty yellow teeth or whatever, and you know, just being an evil dentist with with uh, Jerry the King Lawler face and Bret Hart, I just hated Isaac Yankum. Oh, I remember he had ugly yellow curly hair, and I don't <laughs> yeah. know why I remember that, but that just, or I guess probably more reddish than anything, but that just grossed me out with his, <laughs> with his yellow stained teeth. So Isaac Yankum was my number two. Awesome. <laughs> That's good. All right. My number two, you've already mentioned it, but mine is Vader. And it's almost for a different reason, though, because I got so freaked out at that helmet that he would wear. Oh, with you remember steam? that? Yeah, the steam coming out. Yeah, shoot the steam out. Oh, man, that scared the crap out of me, man. When he'd come down in that thing, and then again, he would just beat the crap out of everybody, and he seemed like he could never be hurt. All that. That is why he's my number two. So, before I say who my number one is, I want to ask you, Beverly, did you ever play WWF Warzone on the PlayStation 1? Did not. Okay. To explain my number one, before I go into it more, in the, I can't remember, there's like this title challenge thing. There, I can't remember what it was called back then, but it's like, you gotta go through so many guys to win the Intercontinental title. Then you gotta go through so many guys to win the WWF title. Then you keep defending the title until you lose it and all that. Then you gotta start all over. And once in a while, you would get a grunge match. You know, like a, somebody would challenge you. Uh, the, okay. the computer, but the computer would challenge you. They would have, you know, all the guys in it, you know, they would have like a video with them challenging challenging you to a mat, a grunge match. And my number one is Kane. 
Okay. Because I still remember, to this day, playing WWF Warzone on my PlayStation. I think I was in elementary school at this time, and Kane challenged me. He didn't say one word. In his video package was him in a warehouse, a abandoned warehouse with, with you know the building burning behind him, and okay. you hear kids chanting, "Burn in hell, oh. burn in hell, oh my God. burn in hell." Yeah, and ah. my, my both my brothers were I think were doing after school activities like football or work or whatever. My mom was oh my still at God. work. I was That's scared. So Poopless that I called my grandmother crying because of it. <laughs> and my grandmother had to calm me down and all that and said everything everything was gonna be okay. And because of that Well, I don't I was never scared of Kane, you know, Kane's character. I was intrigued by him when he debuted, but because of that video package, Kane was is my number one most scariest wrestler. Well, that that scares me just then. I didn't even, wasn't even there. Because I'll see back then, you know, Kane didn't speak and all that. So just, you know, him on the screen, you know, in an abandoned warehouse with, you know, stuff on fire and, yeah, hearing kids chant, burn in hell. Yeah, (laughs) no thanks. Wow. I am happy I brought you some entertainment, Beverly. I hope the fans of Main Event Status Radio enjoyed me explaining that story burning hell my number one is from a little before the time that we're looking at now going back maybe 91 92 my number one is papa shango oh. yeah all the i don't all the vignettes and him you know making me like looking back now it's super cartoony like making mean gene puke and stuff and all the and, whole whole uh, <laughs> ultimate warrior sweating blood or whatever Right, but man, when I was like four or five, that scared the crap out of me. So, yeah, he's whenever he came on the room on the screen, I would run out of the room. I would either shut off the TV, hope that <laughs> something else, you know, is on when I get back in. Yeah, very very frightening to me. All I want to say about Papa Shango is that uh, voodoo ain't easy, man. Voodoo, ain't, voodoo ain't easy, man. <laughs> Yes, sir. Which he would go on to uh, be a, what, a pimp? Oh, of course, yes. Pimp it ain't, pimp it ain't easy, man. Pimp it ain't, pimp it ain't easy. G-O-D-F-E-T-H-E-R. Hoes start running when they see my car. <laughs> I love see, all that. All I know is the first, all I know is the, the, uh, the first part, not the, the verse. I I always thugged and bugged to that song off the WWF Aggression album. Awesome. So yeah, that is our uh, our episode for the week. Episode was it thirty eight from Monday Night Raw from June twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three, from the Mid Hudson Civic Center in Polipsy, New York. <laughs> Polipsy, Polipsy, whatever. Poughkeepsie. Polipsy. Polipski? I don't know! <laughs> awesome. But do you have any closing comments or anything to plug this week, Beverly? Uh, nope, other than the Twitter uh, at uh, Beverly Hills MES. You know, me. I know I did finally figure it out 
I did create a new Facebook fan page for Native Event Status Radio. Nice. It is now facebook.com slash mainevenstatusradio. Again, with an echo, facebook.com slash mainevenstatusradio. I got that figured out, so yeah, find that one, not the first one I created. And also for me on Twitter, on the Twitter machine, on the Twitter, at Dirty Dog M-E-S. Dog as in D-A-W-G, Dirty Dog M-E-S. And yeah, talk to us and all that. So uh, so I guess, yeah, for this week, for this episode, episode number five, this is the Dirty Dog for Beverly Hills. We'll talk to you guys after the matches.